Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. gentlemen, my name is James and I will be your operator today. Welcome to the Knight Therapeutics Inc. 2020 third quarter financial results conference call. Before turning the call over to Jonathan Ross Goodman, CEO of Knight, listeners are reminded that portion of today's discussion may, by their nature, necessarily involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those contemplated by the forward-looking statements. The company considers the assumptions on which these forward-looking statements are based to be reasonable at the time they were prepared, but cautions that these assumptions regarding the future events, many of which are beyond the control of the company and its subsidiaries, may ultimately prove to be incorrect. The company disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether a result of new information, future events, except as required by law. We would also like to remind you questions during today's call will be taken from analysts only. Should there be any further questions, please contact Knight's Investor Relations Department via email to URL equals info at gudknight.com, info at knighttx.com, or via phone at 514-678-8930. I would like to remind everyone that this call is being recorded today, November 13th, 2020. I would now like to turn the meeting over to your host today for today's call, Jonathan Ross Goodman. Please go ahead, Mr. Goodman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Night Therapeutics third quarter 2020 conference call. I am joined on today's call with Samira Sakia, our president and chief operating officer, Amal Khoury, our VP business development, and Arvind Uchana, our chief financial officer. This quarter, we completed a significant step with the acquisition of all the remaining shares of GPT in our knee-deep integration work, which was complicated by COVID-19. In addition, we remain focused on execution of business development initiatives to license and acquire innovative pharmaceuticals for the Canadian and Latin American markets. I will now turn the call over to Samira, who will walk through the development of our portfolio and corporate updates. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Jonathan. I'll provide an update on our products, which have continued to advance in this quarter. As we discussed on our last call in July 2020, Knight obtained regulatory approval for Lenvima, or Levatinib, in Ecuador for the treatment of advanced liver cancer as well as advanced kidney cancer in combination with Everolimus and differentiated thyroid cancer. In August 2020, we also obtained regulatory approval for Halivan in Ecuador for the treatment of metastatic breast cancer. Knight has the license to Halivan and Lenvima from ASI for all of Latin America, excluding Mexico. During the quarter, both Invexi and Bejuva were approved by Health Canada. Invexi, an estradiol vaginal insert, has been approved for the treatment of postmenopausal moderate to severe dyspareunia a symptom of vulvar and vaginal atrophy due to menopause. Bejuva, a once-daily combination of estradiol and progesterone in a single oral capsule, 
was approved for the treatment of moderate to severe vasomotor symptoms due to menopause. Knight expects to launch both products in 2022. Finally, in October, Knight announced an ex a new exclusive agreement with Gilead for the commercialization of Ambisome, a liposomal amphotericin B that is used to treat antifungal infections. Ambisome has been part of our Brazilian affiliates portfolio for over 20 years, and the new agreement is effective Jan 1, 2021. Moving on to corporate updates. On July 10th, we announced the acceptance by the TSX of our notice of intention to make a normal course issuer bid, which commenced on July 14, 2020. Under this NCIB, we can purchase up to 10.9 million common shares over the next 12 months. During the quarter, Knight has purchased just under 800,000 common shares for an aggregate cash consideration of approximately $4.8 million. I'm now going to turn the call over to Amal for updates on BD activities. Thank you, Samira, and good morning, everyone. Uh, as we previously announced, uh, the acquisition of 100% of GBT was by way of a two-step transaction. The first step was the acquisition of 51.2% majority stake through a private transaction that closed last year on November 29, 2019, giving Knight controlling interest. On July 15, 2020, following approval by the Brazilian Exchange and Securities Commission, we launched a tender offer to acquire the remaining 48.8% of GBT. In accordance with the offer, BDR holders were eligible to tender their BDRs at the auction that took place on August 14th. Following the completion of the auction, 99.6% of the public BDR holders tendered their BDRs at the alternative offer price of 1040 10, Brazilian reais per BDR in cash. Knight paid an aggregate purchase price of 538 million Brazilian reais, or $171 million, and acquired all the outstanding BDRs. As of October 23, 2020, the BDR program in Brazil was canceled. I will now turn the call over to Arvind to go over the financial results for the quarter. Thank you, Amal. In the course of this conference call, I will refer to Knight's adjusted earnings, which is a non-IFRS measure. Knight defines adjusted earnings as operating loss or income adjusted to exclude amortization and impairment of intangible assets, depreciation, acquisition costs, and non-recurring expenses incurred, but includes net interest income earned and costs related to leases. I am pleased to report that for the quarter ended September 30th, 2020, we reported revenues of $45.2 million, an increase of $41.2 million compared to the same period last year. The growth in revenues is explained by the consolidation of GBT's results, which accounted for $40.6 million of incremental revenues. GBT generated revenues of $16 million in Brazil, $8.5 million in Argentina, $7.7 million in Colombia, and $8.4 million in the rest of Latin America. For the quarter ended September 30th, 2020, we reported a gross margin of $19.5 million or 43% compared to $3.3 million or 82% in the same period last year. The gross margin would have been 46% if we were to exclude the impact of hyperinflation accounting. 
Furthermore, during the quarter, we recorded an inventory provision of $1.8 million due to the impact of COVID-19 on certain new product launches. Our operating expenses for the quarter increased by $14.8 million over Q3 2019. The variance is explained by the consolidation of GBT's results, which accounted for $13 million of incremental expenses. The remainder of the increase is explained by $3.5 million of expenses related to the unified tender offer completed in Q3 2020, compared to $2.5 million of expenses related to the GBT transaction incurred in Q3 last year. The interest earned on cash, marketable securities, and threat to the clones was $3.2 million, a decrease of $2.9 million, or 47% compared to the third quarter of 2020. Due to an increase in interest rates, as well as our cash, marketable securities, and loan receivable balances. In addition, we recorded interest expense for the quarter of just above $800,000 on our bank loans. Adjusted earnings for the quarter were $6.6 million, up 18% or 1% or $1 million compared to the same quarter last year, mainly due to GBT's incremental adjusted earnings which is partially offset by a decrease in interest income. Now moving on to gains and losses that are not reflected in adjusted earnings. For the quarter, we recorded a net gain on financial assets measured at fair value to profit or loss of $12.9 million, mainly due to gains on our strategic fund investments. I will now turn the call back to Samira. Thank you, Arvind. Since the recent outbreak of coronavirus or COVID-19, our focus has been on ensuring the continuity of product supply to patients in Canada and Latin America and ensuring the safety of our colleagues and their families. At the end of Q3 2020, we had net cash, cash equivalents and marketable securities of $348 million. From this strong cash position, we continue to execute on the integration of Biotoscana and on bringing new business development opportunities to grow the business. I'll now turn the call back to Jonathan for his concluding remarks. Thank you, Samira. Thank you for your support and confidence in the night team. This concludes my formal remarks. So now I'd like to open the call up to questions. Operator? Thank you. Before we begin, may I please remind you, questions during today's call will be taken from analysts only. Should there be any further questions, please contact Knight's Investor Relations Department via email to URL equals info at gudknight.com, info at knighttx.com, or via phone at 514-678-8930. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any key. And our first question comes from the line of David Novak with Raymond James. Go ahead, please. Your line is open. Good morning, folks. Thanks very much for taking my questions. Um, just two from me this morning. I guess first on the LATAM operations. Now, we understand COVID-19 continues to impact operations in some of your more significant markets, an unfortunate situation which is really beyond anyone's control. However, beyond COVID, in GBT's December financials, a number of changes were discussed which have impacted the operational environment in Argentina. Could, could you guys provide some insight into some of the issues which are still facing here and how that may be impacting timing of future launches of new products? 
Sure. Um, so over the last year, one of the things we've, we continue to see, it's not just COVID. Obviously, there is still hyperinflation. Um, and that continues to go through and is continuing to impact the business. So when you look at what we have reported, we did report under, IF, uh, under IAS 29, which is hyperinflation accounting, as well as under historical accounting. Um, and one of the things that you may have noted uh, is that at the end of last year, a new government was elected the government continues to, the government came in right as COVID was. So they have, uh, they have put in some legislation when it comes to certain price increases. At the beginning, they have let that go. They continue, the, one of the things due to COVID that they have done is they've put a firing freeze um, in, into legislation and we continue to work through that. Um, the the business, as far as our business is concerned, they, the business continues to operate. We've had, um, we've we have, we've been submitting our bids. We've continued to sell, and it's uh, we're executing. Great, thanks so much. And and I guess just secondly. Um, turning it over to the Canadian operations um, on Naratnib specifically, assuming approval of the SNDS, is the plan here to re-engage with the PERC on potential public coverage following that SNDS approval? Uh, we're, the, the team is continuing to assess based on not just this NDS, but also the competitive market, uh, what else will be out there. Um, and we're also looking to see if there is additional data that Puma might be provide be able to provide later on, and we'll know uh, we'll know as as the product gets approved. Got it. Great. Uh, that's it for me. Thanks very much, guys. I'll hop back in the queue. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Andre Lino with National Bank. Go ahead, please. Your line is open. Hi, uh, good morning. Thanks for uh, taking my questions. Uh, a couple for me, but first, I was wondering if you can uh, talk a little bit on uh, the, the sales in Latin America. How do they look like compared to last year in terms of, uh, assuming I mean, be it uh, similar, similar currency, excluding FX or, or volume-wise, I mean, any way you want to define it, something that is like for like, uh, basically. Uh, good morning. That's a really great question. Before I turn it over to Arvind, it's a little hard to do like for like during a pandemic. Um, but I'll get our, I'll turn it over to Arvind to answer some more on the questions of currency and how, like how it, how it's happening. Hi, th thank you for the question. So, uh, what I can tell you in terms of currency is like we continue to see um, further depreciation of the Latin currency across um, all the countries. And this has been further accentuated with COVID. So if, even in this year's numbers, we see declines in currency for Q3 versus Q1 and Q2 of this year. And uh, the, the other area where it makes it even harder to, to compare to last year and even this year when it comes to, uh, to our sales is uh, what we're seeing is uh, wholesalers and distributors in, in, uh, in LATAM are, are really trying to manage their stock and inventory because of their cash flow uh, and liquidity concerns. 
So that that also has had an impact on us. Okay. Uh, thank you. Well, so but then looking forward uh, and let's say, I mean, pandemic aside for a second, what, what would be a good, good run rate for the LATAM business? So, uh, going um, forward. Sorry, go ahead, Arvin. So for me, going forward, it's, uh, I mean, it's uh, given the pandemic and also how FX is moving in LATAM, it's, and also trying to figure out how the wholesaler will be making their buy-in in, in, uh, in the next in the next one year because of pandemic. It's, it's something that's really hard to forecast at this point. Okay. Okay. Uh, thanks. Uh, and I mean, then the next question. I mean, are there any new products that you're planning to launch uh, then in Latin America and? Uh, how, how much of it would you scale back uh, because of the pandemic? That's a great question. So we are launching, we are in launch phase on quite a few products. We have Halivan and Zima that are, that are in different phases of launch depending on the country and under regulatory re approval still, for example, in Colombia. So that's potentially a launch, uh, I'm going to say 2022. Um, in the and there's also Crosamba under launch in all parts of LATAM again at a different place in launch. Um, the what we are doing is given pandemic, making sure that the activities that we have address uh, digital means, address clinical experience, and working through that. So we're redirecting how it's how how we're how we're commercializing. Obviously, it's a lot. It's a lot more difficult to to be launching without face-to-face -face interaction, without hands-on experience. The other thing that we are seeing, and we're seeing that it's not just a Latin American issue; it's a Canadian issue, it's a global issue, is due to pandemic, fewer patients are going to see their doctors, and because of that, the number of diagnoses has has also slowed down. Um, and that's in, that's that's not just a night or a can town that is a global issue. Okay, uh, thank you. And uh, one more for me before I jump in the queue. Uh, can you just give us a timeline on uh, how do you think the integration of the LATAM uh, assets pro progresses uh, in terms of, I mean, will it be done by mid-2021, end of 2021, earlier than that? Thanks. Um, that's a great question. Uh, depending on the issue, certain things are moving faster than we, the, as fast as we would like. Certain things are moving slower. The issue really is about um, about being able to be there to make some of the changes, to work with the team uh, directly. Um, and as I mentioned, for example, due to pandemic, we have legislation issues that prevent us from making certain changes. Um, but we're working through them. We are at a depending on the issue, and one of the things I kind of said before was we were looking at things like systems and processes, and those continue to advance. So, depending on the system or the process, it'll the the system will launch Q1, Q2, Q4, or phase in through until the end of the year. So everything is continuing to move forward. Okay, uh, so so we'll say by by mid next year. I mean, you should have made substantial progress. Is that a fair statement? On quite a few things, not on everything. 
Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Tanya Gonzalez with CGF. Go ahead, please. Your line is open. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, so, firstly, you highlight that the Mexico rights to Abraxan terminated in August. I'm wondering how meaningful this is to revenue. I believe it was a top six drug at some point in 2019. Um, and also just wondering when those contracts for Abraxan and Bedaza in Brazil come up for renewal. I think these are also pretty meaningful contributors, and maybe maybe they were impacted by the acquisition of Bristol-Myers acquiring Celgene. Hi, Tanya. Uh, that's a great question. I'm going to let Amal answer on agreements. Hi, Tanya. Good morning. Um, so for Abraxas in Mexico, it was a it, it was actually a uh, it was a small product, um, and it was something that we were expecting um, uh, that, that BMS would actually uh, take back. Uh, for the other products, I mean, we're not, uh, or the other agreements, I should say, um, we don't provide specific terms per agreement, uh, but I can tell you that kind of the way you should look at it is overall, this is a business that has been um, that has been in, in existence for a long time. A lot of these agreements have been there for a long time and kind of re renewals of these agreements are going to be uh, part of uh, normal course. So different, different agreements come up for, uh, for renewals at a different time and, and we continue to work uh, on that from an alliance management perspective. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, secondly, on Invexi and Bejuva, great news on those two drugs. When will you start uh, hiring that sales force, and how many people do you intend on hiring? Um, so Invexi and Bejuva are now going to start going through the reimbursement process. Uh, we expect, uh, given the type of products, we do expect that that will take uh, that will take uh, many months. We don't expect to really have launch activities until 2022. So it'll, 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 um, it'll be right around that time. Okay. And, and in 2022, how many people do you think you would hire to support these two drugs? Um, the, the team is continuing to make that assessment. Uh, this is a this is a market. While it's a large market, it's not a very noisy market. Um, so we will structure around the potential and who else is there. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, one last one for me for Amazon, the uh, the Brazil market. Are you able to tell us how much? what proportion of revenue that makes up of GBT, um, and if there were any material changes to that contract? Sure. So we haven't disclosed revenue by product, both from a partnership confidentiality as well as market uh, intelligence. The, um, the terms, it's kind of what we had got it to before. We knew that the terms would be different, um, but we don't disclose the terms either. And Amal, I'll turn it over to you to add some more. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the only thing I would add, uh, Tanya, is that the, 
um, I think the, the the new terms are in line with what we were expecting when we were doing the transaction. Okay, great. That's all for me. Thank you very much. And again, as a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. And our next question comes from the line of Justin Keywood with Stiefel. Go ahead, please. Your line is open. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. I was wondering if you could provide an update on M&A initiatives, um, as uh, it appears that the balance sheet, you know, remains very strong, uh, you know, just under $400 million in, in cash. Uh, so is now the time, uh, you know, to be a bit more conservative, or are you still seeing uh, opportunities um, either in uh, Latin America or, or in Canada? Uh, I'm going to let Amal answer that question. Hi, Justin. Um, yeah, we continue to see and chase opportunities um, across all of our territories. Um, kind of is, is, is now the time. I mean, for us, you know, it's uh, the, the time is always uh, the right time to look at opportunities and, and assess and, and move forward uh, when we see the, the, the right opportunity. Having said that, with the, with the pandemic, um, there were some discussions that were put on hold or delayed. Uh, but we continue to see uh, good deal flow, um, and then we continue to be, you know, to to work very hard on 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 different opportunities. Okay, and does the pandemic um, disrupt the due diligence uh, process at all, or can that all be done, you know, through virtual means? It's all being done through virtual means. I mean, the and again, you can imagine this is not specific tonight. I think. Um, Everyone has uh, has been adapting to um, to to switching all to to virtual. Okay, and then my next uh, question, just given the all the currency volatility, I, I'm wondering if there's a hedging program in place, or if that's uh, feasible, or or maybe just too complicated with the amount of countries uh, that GPT is involved in. I'm going to let Arvind take that one. Hi. So from, from an operational standpoint, the way we're looking at um, hedging our risk um, is, is really by the uh, debt we have in, in the local country. So we, we do have debt in, in Brazil that is denominated in BRL. And, and that's, that's a natural hedge against our operating activities. And that's how we're looking at it uh, going forward. And I will, we're in the process of looking at um, adding additional debt in different countries and different currencies. Just so I understand, because I, I, I believe that that's pretty low in, in the overall business. Uh, would that be enough to, to hedge against the, the currency fluctuations? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we do have the debt level is around uh, 160 million BRL, which is for, for around 40 million Canadian, which is uh, more than a couple of years of uh, the, uh, the current adjusted earnings. So we, we do have some capacity for additional debt in, in some of our countries, and that's what we're looking at. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you for taking my questions. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Douglas Neem with RBC Capital Markets. Go ahead, please. Your line is open. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, First question just has to do with this sequential decline in, in revenues relative to what we saw in Q2. Perhaps you could put it 
in the frame of what's going on in the ground with respect to COVID in these countries relative to North America and why we saw um, you know, a material decrease in revenues and if things are stabilizing in those countries such that um, outlook for Q4 and Q1 uh, might be a bit more reasonable. That's the that's a really good question. Um, I am going to turn it over to Arvind and let him and he'll walk you through kind of the various reasons why why we did have a sequential decline. Hi. So if if you look at our revenues, we did have swings. Like if you look at Q1 compared to Q2 and Q3, we did had we did have some significant swings. Well, there's really two two big reasons that's explaining the, the swing. The first one is, is FX uh, depreciation. That's creating the swing when we convert the revenues to Canadian dollars. So Q3 was, was another hit compared to Q2, and it's even a bigger hit when you look at it compared to Q1. So, that, so that's, that's one of the reasons. And as I mentioned also earlier, the other uh, trend we, we've been seeing in, in the past, uh, during 2020, is the, uh, the inventory level management of our wholesalers. And most specifically in Brazil, like we do see them as, as trying to manage their inventory that they hold. So they're really managing how much they buy from us and, and, and trying to manage their cash flow and liquidities because of the COVID situation. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, I guess my question is, um, those are a result of, I think, what's going on in the ground with respect to COVID, both foreign exchange and how they're approaching inventory levels. And what I was hoping is to get a better viewpoint of uh, what's going on there with respect to um, the virus and the impact the, on the economy. Right. Okay. So the, there's a couple of things. So one of the, the, the big things for our business is that a our products are high specialty, um, and our field forces normally go into hospital, and they can't. And we've got infectious disease products, and we've got oncology products, and we really are seeing both due to there is an impact on the business because our field force is just not able to be seeing physicians, and it's just not as effective. Whether it's here or there, reps Rep, uh, rep and field force effectiveness has gone down by, let's say, 40 to 50%. And when it comes to diagnoses, we're seeing the diagnoses come down because patients aren't seeing their physicians. These aren't, these aren't chronic products. The, the other thing that I want to add is that our products, whether it's Crisemba, Halavin, Linvima, throughout our countries are in launch phase. So physicians are physicians will turn to something that they know in a in a crisis time, and they say, you know, I can I can manage the toxicity. I know how to do that, rather than trying something new on a patient. And that's another thing that we're facing is that they're they're not trying something new. And across the one of the things that our teams have done is really try and adjust and get clinical experience happening and get physicians trying. But it's the, the growth curve and the launch curve has flattened because of, of, because of COVID right now. Okay. 
Um, another just sort of housekeeping question. When you think about the NCIB and um, where you are in, in the COVID curve and, um, you know, the longer term over the next, say, year or two, um, do you think it's uh, a good idea to start to use that NCIB to a more significant extent or what you're, what's your thinking on that? So we're, we're going to be opportunistic with the NCIB. One of the things, as Amal was mentioning, her team is super busy when it comes to business development. So we also want to be able to have powder to be able to execute and execute quickly. The, the fact that we have this in this Pan-American ex-U.S. structure, we're looking at various kinds of opportunities, both small and large. So we're going to remain opportunistic with the NCID and make sure that we have powder to execute. Okay, thank you. And again, as a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star then one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from the line of Andre Leno with National Bank. Go ahead, please, your line is open. Hi, uh, yeah, a couple of uh, follow-ups for me. I mean, the, the first uh, one uh, I wanted to ask, I guess, uh, Arvin, but uh, we're talking about the inventory management uh, and how the, that is kind of shifting and changing because of the COVID. But do you do you think, or, or what discussions have you had with your uh, with your with the wholesalers in terms of when are this inventory level going to stabilize? I mean, are they at a point right now that is more or less stable, or, or do you do you expect further? changes and shifts as we head into uh, the, the next uh, few quarters. Hey, thank you for the question. So, I mean, we've seen dramatic drops in, in the levels over the last couple of months, but uh, it, it, again, it's hard to predict how they will be buying for the rest of the year and into next year, but I, I would expect, a, I would not expect a, a further dramatic decline of levels from this point. Okay, uh, thank you. And uh, then more of a, a general kind of outlook question. So, Samira, you've mentioned before that uh, as, as Latin American countries, they get into recessions. I mean, you expect a bit of a slowdown uh, uh, as people lose their insurance plan, and then it comes up when the, those areas, they, they, they surpass that uh, recessions. I mean, are, do those uh, things still hold true, uh, number one? And number two, how has that picture changed from, let's say, six months ago uh, to now? Um, we, the, each of the markets has responded very differently to pandemic. Um, right now, the certain, like, I take a major market like Brazil, there have, they have seen some decline in employment, but not a lot. But that's also a company that has stayed pretty much open throughout pandemic. Um, but it's, and I think whether it's our markets or kind of globally, it's really too early to tell how long, how, whether we'll have, what sort of bounce back we'll have, whether it's a K or V, a W, uh, and how long the recession, if at all, will last. We were kind of monitoring on a weekly, monthly basis. Um, we're seeing effect on the business because of physician and prescribing habits. We haven't seen it come out so far on the economic tools, but 
but it's still too early to tell. Okay, uh, thank you. That's it for me. And there are no further questions at this time. I'd like to turn the call back over to Mr. Goodman for some closing remarks. Thank you. I'd just like to remind everyone that the road to success in Latin America is never straight. But long term, this is the place we want to be because we know we're going to grow a very substantial, profitable business. Thank you for your confidence in the night team and for joining our Q3 2020 conference call. Please stay healthy and stay safe. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference call. Thank you for joining. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.